the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Program guests and Craig Roberts not affiliated with Vitucci and Associates. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Vitucci and Associates have no liability for information discussed. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal professional prior to taking action. Securities and advisory services offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC, Vitucci and Associates, and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated. Pat Vitucci says, don't invest and forget. Welcome to Don't Invest and Forget, a weekly financial news magazine designed to educate and equip you with the roadmap and direction you need to manage your money, meet your financial goals, and instill confidence in your investment choices on the road to retirement. Your host is author, radio commentator, and investment advisor, Pat Vitucci of Vitucci & Associates. With over 30 years' experience in the world of finance and investment planning, Pat specializes in personal and corporate investment management with special emphasis on retirement planning. The market showing signs of some rebound following a painful August with losses on the Dow of nearly 2,500 points. Inflation, of course, remains the party killer both domestically and globally, and the Fed continues its vow to fight hard against inflation, but rising interest rates are taking their toll on refinancing and having a chilling effect on first-time home buyers. Meanwhile, the FANG stocks are in the news and not all of it's good. Welcome once again to this edition of Don't Invest and Forget, the program that each and every week helps you keep your finger on the pulse of your money from Wall Street to Main Street to your wallet. Our host, 30-plus year financial manager, best-selling author, Pat Fitucci, along with our own Don't Invest and Forget man on the street, Charlie Gawain, and I'm Craig Roberts. Well, Pat, of course, as I mentioned, it's been kind of a painful August leading into September. Pretty significant losses on the big board. A lot of this related to the ongoing struggle with inflation. Undoubtedly, having some investors wondering as we head into the fourth quarter here shortly, what can we anticipate? Well, the election season has begun. We've got Janet Yellen, believe it or not, is out on a speaking tour to tout President Biden's policies and trying to get the Dems in a stronger position. Less than two months away, we'll have the midterm elections. And in my view, as we've talked about on the show, I think the midterm elections are going to be pivotal in what goes on in Wall Street. The Republicans can take back one or both houses. I think we'll have wonderful gridlock in Washington that will ripple right up the coast to New York. Wall Street will love gridlock. Nothing will get done and we'll let the free, open, capitalistic system do its job. So we'll look forward to uh, what the voters think. Inflation numbers, which are deplorable. We've got a lot of hurting people out there. So Janet Yellen and the entire Biden administration will hit the road. She and others have a giant sales job to do to get the Democrats back into some level of control. So we'll see how that all works out. Not that we care, but China was slated to be the largest economy in just a couple short years. But given their policies 
on COVID. They've taken a real serious backseat. So they were supposed to overtake the U.S. economy as the largest economy in 2028, a scant six years from now. But all the eggheads around the globe have talked about, well, that's going to be delayed, maybe to 2030, maybe to 2033 because of COVID, because of their one-child policy. You know, they've got dirty air. They've got dirty water. They do have three times the population. So you would think it would be a slam dunk to overtake our economy. But the U.S. per capita income is still five times that of the average Chinese family. So from an ego point of view, our country will, looks like for the foreseeable future, be still the number one economy. Charlie, does it matter to you that we're number one or number two? Does it affect, no, no, does it mean, affect your lifestyle? No, I was just going to say, I mean, as the man on the street and speaking for just other people who are clients of yours, they really only care about one thing. How are my investments doing? The rest of those things just really doesn't matter. And inflation hits you and I and everybody else listening to the show, and that's much more important than if uh, China's number one economy or U.S.'s. It's a big ego stroke. It's a sense of pride, I guess. It doesn't mean anything to me. and, And to most of us, you're absolutely right. You know, speaking of stocks to watch, kind of the darling of Wall Street, Netflix, is looking at really slow subscriber growth. They lost a million subscribers last month. But the good news is they're going to start advertising. And even with their millions of viewers, advertising should generate a fair amount of revenue. And that's going to certainly put Netflix back in the driver's seat in terms of what Wall Streeters think of the stock. And, and of course, the higher the stock, the more they stock price, the more they can um, achieve and do bigger and better things. They've been a real big startup in terms of movie production and getting awards Emmys and earlier this week, Netflix gained 5% in terms of the value of the stock. And so they continue to be front and center of attention for those who are stock traders. And again, we, we emphasize we're not stock trading firm. We're an asset allocation firm that looks at much longer terms than what the market did yesterday. And so we've talked a lot about the 50 leading and lagging economic indicators that we track on a regular basis. And so we're not pivoting every hour of every day. We're not up at six o'clock and watching the the morning um, opening numbers because we're looking at much more longer term, much more 30,000 foot kind of views that we think take longer range looks at the market. Looks like Chairman Powell will raise rates yet again. They're talking about either a half or three quarters of a point, which we know is going to further erode the real estate market. We know things have slowed quite a bit in the last six, seven, eight weeks. 30-year mortgage rates were about 2.5% just a scant couple months ago, and now they're just below 6 That puts a real dagger in the real estate market, certainly refinancing. So another rate increase to stab off this galloping inflation. We know at the stars we're experiencing shrinkflation. We're buying that box of cereal that Charlie eats every day it is uh, five ounces smaller and 20 cents more. And so I had that this morning, Pat, with some bananas, strawberries, so stuff like that. That your bowl of cereal will just cost you a whole, whole lot more, Charlie. So you've got to keep on working. Inflation is causing a giant hardship. A new Gallup poll shows 56% describe their experience as moderate to severe hardship. The question is, how will that translate into the elections coming up? Will the average voter say, wait a minute, we've given these guys a couple of years to create policies 
that generate good GDP growth, good economic growth. We've got to really look hard at that, and it'll be interesting to see. Depending on what part of the country you're in, will generate different outcomes. All 435 House members will be up for either re-election or a new person coming in. On the Senate side, Republicans only need to pick up one seat because right now it's a deadlock at 50-50 with Kamala Harris, the vice president, casting the um, marginal vote there. So we'll see. The average American's cutting back on spending, cutting back on traveling. These higher rates are crippling what we were enjoying just a scant couple months ago. Here's a, a newsworthy story. Potential job cuts to Google. When was the last time you heard Google cutting jobs? Pretty unusual that a company like Google that normally can't find enough quality people. The company talks about uh, trying to be 20% more efficient. The president, Sundar Pashai, said efficiency can be improved when just one or two people make decisions instead of three. And they always downplay these numbers because they let attrition kind of contribute to if somebody leaves, they just don't hire. And so that becomes kind of a self-inflicted reduction in, in uh, staffing. Even Amazon, amazingly, closing dozens of warehouses, and they're going to delay or abandon 42 warehouses across the country. So Amazon has been growing at a rampant rate. Interesting, we'll see how Amazon and Google walk through this, this somewhat difficult environment. You know, we, we talk all the time for over 25 years about what are you doing about reallocating your assets, not rebalancing. I want to talk specifically about the very deft difference between rebalancing and reallocating. So let's walk through one example. If you're rebalancing your portfolio and assuming you had 40% in large cap domestic growth stocks, and because of the market changes, it goes to 50%, you reallocate back to 40 because that's your steadfast allocation. Well, you may have just exacerbated, worsened your performance because if large caps fall out of favor and you're still sitting at 40% and small caps are the place to be or mid caps or maybe global markets or Europe is going through a whole bunch of, of changes. Europe, I think, is going to have a very cold, hard winter. Their energy sources are dried up with the whole issue with Russia and Ukraine. They are preparing for a harsh, cold winter. By the way, the dollar continues to dominate and is in parity with a lot of other currencies around the globe. And so this dynamic going on in Europe where energy is going to be very scarce, it's going to have big impact on where you invest your money. So getting back to the, if you rebalance back to that 40% large cap and the market is saying, wait a minute, large caps are not the place to be. You should be in small companies or midsize or maybe in bonds or Ginnie Mae mortgages. So you've just exacerbated and worsened your performance. Let's contrast that sharply with reallocation. Somebody says, wait a minute, you shouldn't be in large caps or small caps. You should be in bonds or utilities or Ginnie Mae mortgages. So a reallocation says, I'm going to take my 40% in large caps and move 10% here and 20% there and 15% here. Much more sophisticated, drilling down look at the fundamentals that drives the economy. So we've often talked about rebalancing versus reallocating. We are a reallocation company, not a rebalancing company. 
We're taking a fresh look every day at the markets, reallocating our clients' monies to different sectors of the economy that we think will be more participative in the next quarter or two. We've talked about don't invest and forget. This is when we drill down and look at the actual activity underlying that don't invest and forget philosophy. Pat, I'm curious, how do we help listeners understand how to make the emotional disconnect between the kind of stocks that they're in and being able to kind of let go in light of some of the market trends and changes that we're seeing in this move towards reallocation. And I, and I pose that question because if you're sitting over dinner with friends and they start talking about Wall Street, it sounds sexy if you talk about you've got holdings in Google, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, et cetera, et cetera. Nobody wants to speak up and say, yeah, they've got 500 shares in the Boxwell Brothers funeral home chain. <laughs> and yet the concern I think here is that oftentimes people get emotionally connected to certain stocks and they will ride that thing down into the abyss. So how do we disconnect emotionally so that we're looking out after our own best financial interest? Well, the short answer, the average person really cannot. They get emotionally tied. We're emotionally wired. This is how we are, we're built. And like a lot of other decisions, we use our emotions instead of a pragmatic review of the facts. And therein lies that deft touch of looking at what really drives a decision to buy, sell, or hold that stock. Too many times we're committed emotionally. And like you said, we write it down right into the ground rather than being brave enough and have our ego strong enough to say, you know, I made a bad decision X months ago to buy that stock. I have to bail. Even though I'm going to lose money, I've got to bail out. And so our goal is to take all the emotion out of this whole process. And admittedly, we get hung up sometimes on the emotion of a sector of the economy. You know, we think, darn it, this thing is going to come back and we're going to hold, hold on. But we've got enough players on our bench to debate a certain sector or a certain area of the economy, given what Jerome Powell is doing with the Federal Reserve, given what the White House is doing, how is Wall Street reacting. So that 30,000-foot view really is an attempt to strip the emotion out of this issue pragmatically saying, okay, it's time to move on. And we're dollar cost averaging. We're, we're nibbling on the edges of a certain sector. So if it's large cap, small cap, global markets, emerging markets, bond markets. So we've got to take that dollar cost averaging approach, nibble on, on the edges, do it in, in a very sequential way. Look, this is not easy stuff. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. I'm not at all suggesting I've got all the answers. We're taking our best educated guess like everybody else every day. And so you take as much science as you can, you apply it. But the whole idea is not to sit on your thumbs and do nothing. If you sit on your thumbs and do nothing, historically, you've been in the wrong place at the wrong time. Again, we've got opportunities in any one of our 14 Bay Area offices to have our listeners come in for a free consultation. We're going to review everything you're holding and we're going to be brutally honest and say, wow, what you've done is admirable. Keep doing what you're doing. Or here's where we would recommend tweaking what you're doing today. Are you tax efficient? Are you diversified enough in a variety of markets? Are you moving towards that critical mass? And when you, you retire or somebody, your boss says, sorry, 
but your last day is tomorrow. We're downsizing. How prepared are you to face the fact that next week you're not going to get that salary deposit into your checking account? So we want to look at your totality of what you're doing with your investments. Are you prepared from an estate planning point of view? Do you have a will? Do you have a trust? Do you have a health care directive? Do you have a poor of a will? Do you have a living trust that expresses your current wishes? How about your successor trustee? The person you're in charge of all your stuff. Is he or she still the right person? Did that person pass away or are they cognitively impaired? Let me make this crystal clear. Vitucci and Associates, we are not attorneys. We are not equipped to give legal advice. I would highly encourage you to hire a licensed attorney that specializes in estate planning issues. If you need a referral for a qualified estate planning attorney, call our offices. We will give you recommendations. So you've got to take that fresh look on a regular basis. How about life insurance? What's going to happen to your estate? Is Uncle Sam going to be your biggest beneficiary? So we need to take a fresh look at all those issues. We offer that free consultation in any one of our 14 barrier offices. Again, one triple eight plan wise, call us anytime. We'd be glad to visit with you either Zoom, phone, or in our personal offices. We're all getting a little bit more comfortable with face-to-face meetings. We're doing more and more of those. Again, we're going to restart our seminar series uh, now that the summer's over and COVID appears to be under somewhat better control. So now we can restart our seminar series. Again, we like to sit face-to-face and get to know our listeners. And we've been doing this and having lots of fun for 25-plus years. So we look forward to meeting with you. And I suppose, Pat, there's no such thing as a one-size-fits-all. In other words, it really has to work different from client to client based on appetite for risk, your timeline to retirement. So if you've got 20, 30 years ahead of you right now during these dips in the markets, it's probably an opportune time to be doing some buying. And yet for the investor that maybe is looking at retirement three to five years away, how do they need to approach this? I mean, oftentimes it seems as if there's kind of two ways to look at this, either bury one's head in the sand, not open the statements and just hope for the best, or overanalyzing it to the point where they suffer from analysis paralysis. So how do you advise those investors that are on that short time scale for retirement to manage through challenging times like these? Well, I'm not going to say it's easy. People get pretty squirrely about the market dropping 500 or last week we had a, a, a thousand point drop in one day. That's pretty unnerving. And I've got a, a friend of a friend that keeps calling me. He's not a, he's not a client cause he's, he's much smarter than we are, but he keeps calling me and say, well, I bought and then it dropped and then I sold it because it dropped. And so he's classic rear view mirror investor. He's looking at yesterday's results and saying, Oh my gosh, I better get out. I better get in. And he's on this roller coaster ride of buying and selling that, frankly, is driving him a little wacky. And look, you're busy with your career. You may not be a candidate for, for our services because we don't do this daily guesswork because the Dow went up or down yesterday. We're not buying or selling. It's that longer term look. And for your example, that four or five year person out there, it very well could be a good buying time depending on your risk level, depending on your timeline. And if you don't get a surprise that your your four or five year window, of four or five more years of work is compromised because your company got downsized. 
or you had a health issue come in, or you've got to leave to take care of mom or dad, or you've got a special needs child. All those factors can impact a timeline that you thought was going to work, and surprise, surprise, life throws a curve at you, and we all get the curves. Even in retirement, you're going to get surprises, and there's bumps in the road, despite your succinct plan that, that you thought was going to be ironclad, and you know, you've got to now pivot. So if you're the four or five year out person out there and you think you've got a pretty good solid four or five years of work, this variable could be a buying time if you can withstand, have that intestinal fortitude to live through possibly another um, decline or, or a collection of bad days. Look, we've got a, a lot of very smart listeners out there and they're good at plumbing, architecture, teaching, physicians, but at the end of the day, are, gonna, are they going to read a prospectus? And are they financially equipped to understand the nuances of reading a financial statement of a company to figure out if they should buy or sell or, or hold? We are doing our best to put our finger on the pulse of where we our clients should be. So you're right. Asset allocation is a foreign term to a lot of people. But fortunately for us, it's a routine experience for us that we're doing throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month. And of course, getting there safely is one of the other important considerations to take a look at. Maybe as Pat has suggested, you've got multiple irons in the fire. And at the end of the day, you're just kind of hoping, hoping that the numbers that you're seeing reflect reality, hoping that you're interpreting them properly. And that once you are able to cross that finish line, the kind of assets you hope you have will actually be there to carry you through retirement you've got some questions, maybe you want to take advantage of a second opinion. There's never any cost or obligation, and yours can be had in any of the Bay Area offices of Vitucci and Associates. To schedule that complimentary second opinion, that portfolio review, simply call toll-free 888-PLANWISE. That's 888-PLANWISE. Even easier still, you can schedule that appointment online. Go to don'tinvestandforget.com. That's don'tinvestandforget.com. In addition to a bevy of all kinds of wonderful retirement planning resources, you can also easily schedule your complimentary portfolio review online. Don'tinvestandforget.com. Pat Fittucci says, don't invest and forget. Invest and forget. Invest and forget. My special guest today is Sam Carpenter, who has gone from sleeping on a cot in his office to managing a multi-million dollar telecommunications business. Recent author of Work the System, The Simple Mechanics of Working Less and Making More. Sam, I'm delighted to have you on my show. Thanks for having me. Sam, this is pretty exciting. Our listeners are always interested in working less and making more. And you've got the magic bullet today that's going to change people's lives. Well, we'll see. I have a, actually a national telephone answering service, and we're up here in Oregon, and I've had it for 23 years now. The first 15 years of this business was a nightmare. I had 12 employees, and I'll make a long story short, 24-365-type uh, business, and I was doing 100-hour work weeks. The office was chaos. People were coming and going. It was a nightmare. I was a single parent of two kids. I wasn't making enough money to make ends meet. It was a very difficult time, and I was going to miss a payroll. A few days before missing that payroll, which of course would have been the end of the business, I had a, an insight literally in the middle of the night. And I realized I 
could take a different perspective on things. And I took that perspective and applied it to the business and actually to my health, which was very poor, stress-related problems, uh, and into my relationships. And I applied this, uh, what I call a systems strategy, to all three of those aspects of my life and absolutely turned things around. What was your motivation, Sam, for writing the book? Well, it worked so well for me, and people have asked me, uh, friends have asked me what I did to straighten things out, and I started to write a handbook for my staff. And, of course, getting into the handbook, I my mind wandered a little bit, and I thought, well, this would make a nice book, and I've always wanted to write a book. I'm 58 years old. I've always wanted to write a book about something, but I never really knew what to write it about. But, boy, this is my life's thing. This is something I can really write about. There must be something when we get to this age that we have to document some things. Is that is that, is that true? I absolutely believe that. And the other thing is you feel like giving to other people. So you talk about working from 80 to 100 hours a week to now you're working two to three hours a week and your income multiplied by 10. How did you do that? Talk to us. Well, let's go back to this little insight that I had. I call it a mini enlightenment. <laughs> I was lying in bed and I actually, I, I kind of in my head at least, rose above my business and looked down on it and saw that it wasn't a big conglomeration. It wasn't a big pile of chaos. It was very orderly, actually. And the orderliness was that it was a group of separate systems. And from the, to explain what the systems are, uh, you might start with how we answer the phone. How do we answer the phone in the office? Another one might be how do we make deposits to the office, to the bank? And how do we hire people? How do we do a sales call? It turned out there were about 300 of these what I call linear systems in my business. And I took the most damaged one first, and it happened to be making deposits to the bank. I separated it out from everything else, and I wrote down what we did to make a deposit. And I'll go into this a little bit just to illustrate it for your listeners. There were 52 steps in taking a check in the mail and getting it up to the bank, and it had to do with applying that check to the right account, you know, allocating it to the right account and doing the paperwork we need to do, 52 different steps. And the three managers in my office that were responsible for this process all did it in a different way. We put our heads together. We came up with the best possible way to do a deposit, and then we did it that way. And to illustrate how bad it was, uh, we actually, at that time, this was eight years ago, uh, one of our managers was on the way to the bank and also to pick up her child at daycare, and she lost the deposit under the seat of her car. It turned up three weeks later, she completely forgot to go to the bank, and they didn't even know the money was missing. And anybody with a small business knows that kind of chaos can happen in a small business when you're real, real busy. So we were allocating checks to the wrong accounts. It was a mess. Once we put this together and documented, and documenting is the heart of what we do, a certain unique and simple documentation, we haven't had a problem in eight years. You did a time and motion study, Sam? Is that, is we that did that? a one, two, three, four lineal progression of how we would handle a check when it came in the office. Literally, it was, okay, you have 20 checks, you sit the checks down on your desk, and you open each envelope. You don't take the contents out. You go through and you open every envelope, and then you take the contents out one at a time. I mean, we literally went down to that detail. It took about, I think, eight to ten hours to do that uh, over a course of three days. And our three people put this process together. Okay, this is the way we're going to do it. This is the way we're going to do it every time. And then we did that with the way we answered the phone. We, and then we did that with everything we did in there. Everything turned into a system, a linear system that would be performed in exactly the same way, no matter who did it, every single time. And then the balance to that, because this is starting to sound like a militant operation, is that we can change a procedure 
on a moment's notice. So, I mean, even in a meeting in the hallway, walking down the hall, somebody says, hey, Sam, the procedure for this and this step seven is just not necessary anymore. Okay, take it out. Take it out. And they'll go right to their computer, change the written procedure, distribute it, and we're on our way again. So is the goal a very sophisticated time management system? It's time management in the sense that everything becomes very, very efficient. Now, I tell people I was working 80 hours a week and I went to two hours a week. Well, the first part of that's wrong. Actually, I was working 100 plus hours a week. I was doing everything. And the reason I was doing everything is because it wasn't written down and there weren't good instructions for other people to do those things. To go back to my illustration of the deposit procedure, I immediately gained two hours a week. So now I'm down to 98 hours a week. And we worked through all 300 of our systems in about a two-year period, and that's where we got. I'm earning more in a month than I was making in a year, and I work two hours a week just because I should show up. <laughs> I should show up at the office and let everybody know I'm still the leader. And, and we do have a very solid staff meeting once a week, but that's all we do. Sam, how can our listeners apply some of these tools? For a small business owner or somebody climbing the corporate ladder, well, first of all, you have to have something that's marketable. You have to start with the fundamentals, and you have to have a market. The first thing to do is a perspective change. And I, my, the first third of my book works on getting a different perspective of life. And here's an important point in perspective. The first one, of course, is seeing things as systems. The second thing is that you understand that life is 99.9% perfect. Everything works 99.9% fine. Things work 99.9% perfectly, and if you can accept that and go into your business and understand it's probably pretty okay. It might seem like a mess. It might seem like it can't make ends meet, but most of it's working fine. Then you split things apart, and this goes for the corporate person, too. Uh, you split things out and you say, okay, this is our biggest problem. I'm going to write this down in a certain way, and I'm going to analyze this on paper and see where we're going wrong, and I'm going to pass it around to my people and let them look at it too. And we're going to see how we can make this system perfect. And then when we're done with that and we document it, we get everybody doing it the same way and agreeing it's a great thing, we'll move to the next one and then the next one and the next one. In our second segment with Sam Carpenter, we're going to talk to Sam about relationships and Working the System, as he called it, his recent book, Work the System, The Simple Mechanics of Getting What You Want. Sam, you talked about a lot of small business owners out there, Sam. Give us a couple of kernels of thoughts regarding what can they do to apply some of the mechanics of what you've developed. Well, my specialty is small business and management. The first thing is documentation. What is the one difference between big successful businesses and small unsuccessful businesses? And remember, small businesses, 80% of them fail within five years. That's a verifiable statistic. Uh, What is the one difference? And most people can't answer that question. And the one difference is this. Boring but true, the large business has documentation. Everybody within the business knows what they're supposed to do. To some degree, depending on the quality of the documented procedures, a person could go to my website that talks about that. And there's a good download there, by the way, 12 Thoughts on Working Less and Making More. But there are three simple documents that I came up with that we use, and the whole company operates around them. One is called a strategic objective. Uh, Somewhere in between a mission statement, which is a useless, feel-good couple of sentences, and a five-year work plan, which nobody does anymore because things change too fast. It's what you are, who, who you are where you're going, what your market is, all on a single page. The second document is what we call our operating principles. We have 30 operating principles, and we call them also guidelines for decision-making, and everybody comes up with their own. Mine are in the book. They can be plagiarized at will. That's fine. One of them is do it now. That's absurdly simple. It's a very profound statement. If you have a choice of doing something now or later, you do it now. Why? Because that's the way we do it. That's how we do it. 
And then the third set of documents are the most labor-intensive, you could say. Those are called our working procedures. This is how we're going to do our bank deposit. This is how we're going to do a sales call. This is how we're going to fire somebody if that's necessary. Anyway, you go, you have these documents, you get everybody to buy into it, and suddenly you're incredibly efficient, and you're all going down the same road. Well, I was a little confused, and you mentioned in your book Occam's Law. Who is Occam? How does that apply? Occam was a medieval philosopher, fascinating guy, and you can find him on Google. It all boils down to his what, what he called a law of parsimony, and that would be the law of simplicity. And here it is. The simplest solution is invariably the correct solution. And so that's a thread that goes through every part of my life and every part of the business, my relationships, my health, is that if there are several solutions, it's the simplest one, which is probably the correct one. It's a fascinating study if somebody applies it, if your listeners apply it to their lives and think about that. And it's one of our principles. In the system improvement area, I guess the biggest issue is documenting what you're saying is documenting the time in motion of not only yourself, but all your subordinates and then putting together a procedures manual with job descriptions and procedures. And so that it's more scientific and thereby you cut out a lot of the extraneous movements and time and of course, time is money, and you'd rather have you and your employees using that free time for their own personal use, their pleasure, or being more productive and therefore driving the revenue line more. Very good, Pat. You just summed up the entire book. <laughs> but the efficiencies that you get out of fixing the little pieces, all the little pieces are working perfectly. And when I had this late night epiphany, I wondered, I, I thought, well, what if I made all the pieces perfect? I wonder if that would make the overall organization perfect. I didn't know the answer to that question. All I knew was I was going to miss a payroll in a week or so, but it was worth a shot. And so we started, and within a week, I knew that it was going to ultimately be the solution to the problems. But what you do is you have efficiency, incredible efficiency, and the people buy into it. Your people will buy into it. If they don't, you get new people. But my staff for telephone answering service, they're paid approximately double what they would earn at any other answering service in the United States. And our quality is verifiably the highest in the United States. We process over 10,000 messages before we get an error reported by one of our clients doctors, veterinarians, HVAC, funeral homes, healthcare. The people buy into it. They understand that the regimented documentation is balanced by our willingness to immediately change a procedure if it's not working right. The people that are answering the phones at the answering service, all the way up to my, my five managers, constantly giving suggestions on how to change this or that procedure. It sounds like you've extended your systems. We recently had Michael Gerber on eMyth. He's the oh, yeah. recent author. Not recent. The eMyth original has been out, I don't know, 10 or 20 years now. Wonderful book. And he really talks about not working in your business, working on your business. And that's uh, really, yes. really what you're professing. This is and the way I look at it is, here's the difference between owning a business and having a job. And I, I have to qualify. Let me qualify it after I make this very simple distinction. Having Owning a business means you don't have to show up. Having a job means you do have to show up. The qualification here is somebody who is deep into sales, heavy into creative work, for instance, disc jockeys or artists or people who write books, 
the creative people of the world who do the work, that's wonderful. But there is always a certain portion of that creative effort that is mechanical and that can be done by other people. If somebody has a creative a talent and they're doing it full-time, they could start a business on the side and put two hours a week into it and make large money on the side. It's possible. I've done it. Any questions, call us personally, 888-PLAN-WISE. That's 888-P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E. Or go to our website, don'tinvestandforget.com. That's don'tinvestandforget.com. Well, Sam, I want to wish you the best of luck with your new book. Congratulations. It sounds like you've really got your finger on the pulse. I appreciate your time today. Thank you, Pat. It's an honor to be on your show. You've been listening to Don't Invest and Forget with author and investment advisor, Pat Fatucci. To gain more information about any of the topics discussed on today's program, or to schedule your appointment for a no-obligation financial plan tune-up in one of Bay Area offices of Atucci & Associates near you, go to don'tinvestandforget.com. That's don'tinvestandforget.com. Or call toll-free 888-PLAN-WISE. That's 888-P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E. Or visit don'tinvestandforget.com. Program guests and Craig Roberts not affiliated with Vitucci & Associates. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Vitucci & Associates have no liability for information discussed. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal professional prior to taking action. Securities and advisory services offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC, Vitucci & Associates, and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.